0: Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel.
1: (laughs) They were, O'Driscoll, Corgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald,
0: Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Sattery, delighted to be joined as always by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? Yeah, doing well. My, my Six Nations enthusiasm it started to wane a little bit. uh come uh, end of game and uh, Sunday, but it was it's been a really great start to the tournament, hasn't it? Uh, two very exciting weekends, and we're delighted to be joined this week by Neil Francis back on the show. Neil, how are things? Yeah, well, I'm good. You? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks. Pre- appreciate you joining us uh, this week. And uh, Neil Ireland starting with two defeats from two for the first time in the Six Nations era. A very disappointing opening for Andy Farrell and the team. And we might just start off with, I suppose. Generally, where you think the team is at at the moment, you know, there's a lot of question marks around the attack, the defence, this, you know, the style of play, uh, you know, individual selection issues around at half and stuff like that. You know, at this juncture of the championship and, and after a year and a bit of Andy Farrell's tenure, like, how do you assess where things are going?
2: Uh, it's gone a little further, I think, than in transition. I, I can't see any recognizable game plan there. And you could say the same about uh, about Joe Schmidt. You know, I I never knew what 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 that guy was up to, and every every game changed. But it just doesn't seem to be the same at the moment. So I thought they were lucky that they weren't badly beaten on uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, people talk about James Low not getting over and one or two other things there. But I think the French butchered about three or four chances, particularly in that third quarter. And looked to me like in the third quarter that there was going to be a 30-point thrashing. And it's the vagaries of international rugby that Ireland just hung tough. France made a few mistakes. Ireland galvanized themselves and hung, hung in there. And incredibly got to got to, to, to within two points though. And if France had lost that, you know, it would have been, you know, I I thought I thought France were very good. I thought Ireland were were competitive, uh, but we don't know where we're going. And you know, we knew this was going to happen. So, you know, for the last five or six years, he's had the best coach in the world, and he leaves, and there's a there's a huge vacuum left there. And you know, going into the top job from being a defence coach. Uh, you know, and learning on the job. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, that's going to take time. So the IRFU have to make a decision now. Is it worth, it's worth waiting that time? So, um, you know, and, and they, they have been unlucky. Like, I, I thought there was the a better team against the Welsh. Uh, but with typical Welsh pluck they've jammed two <laughs> unbelievable victories there. And I don't think it'll fool the Welsh Rugby Union. No, I think there's a there's a break contract in when uh employment contract there, and they mightn't exactly be fooled by uh, you know the two wins they got because they were jammy. But at the same time, uh, suddenly they're two point they're two games up, and they have a little bit of momentum, and they have a couple of players come back in, and you know they're playing England and. You know they they think anything can happen there, so it is like it. I mean, it's 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 a Six Nations that can sort of happen. You start winning, and you never know when it'll end. Uh, but I am I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised that Ireland are not performing the way they should. be.
0: Yeah, Luke. I suppose after the first week, even though I lost, you you had a pretty positive slant when we when we talked about it last Wednesday. You know, given that the team with you know, fourteen men for sixty seven minutes, you you were you know pretty pleased with with certain aspects of the game. Then taking that into the weekend, what you would have wanted to see versus what you did see, maybe like what what are your thoughts now?
1: Um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what uh, Neil has said. I'm sure we've all been having these conversations with with anyone we've been discussing the game with. Um yeah I just think the you know I actually have been looking at the defense. Um uh, my biggest concern is that and I've said this to you before will but I don't actually see a massive amount of growth in the in in the defense and I actually see a lot of poor technical ability in just the tackle area. I don't really like I feel like if if the other team are just bashing it up and we can see what we're hitting you know, it's easy to just get off the line and just hit whatever's in front of you but i think whenever we have any kind of tough decisions to make um and we have to rely very much on our technique in one-on-one situations i don't th- i haven't seen much growth on that and by the way i don't think we've seen much growth in that when Andy Fra was the defense coach either like really when we needed it against Japan it was poor uh it was really poor and we made them look very very good. Um, and against New Zealand as well, and that World Cup, we got absolutely decimated defensively as well. So I don't know. I still don't think the defense has been very good. Um, I I do think I agree with Neil on the on the attack. I think I I just there's nothing really discernible about like I don't see them trying. You know even if it's not coming off, I don't see what they're trying to achieve. I don't see them targeting a certain area repeatedly like someone spotted something and said okay well we know if we get to this area of the pitch um i you know we're going to target this guy with this move i don't see them trying something over and again in open play which was what we were really looking for um and and I just don't see a discernible really like a real kicking strategy against different defenses. You know, these guys have their wingers up high all the time. You know, we're gonna go cross field, we're gonna go flat, or they have space in behind because their nine is in the front line. There's not he's not covering in behind, we're gonna chip. I just don't see anything there in in, in the sense of that that we were really looking for in terms of the growth in open play. Like what's the strategy? Are we targeting something specifically? Have Is someone spotting someone, something or somewhere to attack based on their frailties or are, you know, positive stuff or are kind of good runners? I don't see those things and that's concerning. Um, uh, and yeah, like I, at this stage. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, is it stick or twist? I don't know. I mean, have they got the finances to pay someone out and go looking for someone else, you know, in, in the next year? Um, you know, I don't know. I think they're probably stuck with him at this stage. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I I, I think just in terms of a positive though, what I would say is it does look like the two-step piece and Neil will be way more better positioned to, than me to, to comment on this. But I think it looks like Paul O'Connell has had a pretty good um, impact straight away. I think the line out looked good. Neil no more there. And obviously in the, in the, the, the scrum aspect, I was watching one of our previous guests, uh, Corbis Dierro, breaking down some of the changes around the binding in the back five. Really interesting if anyone gets a chance to go on his Twitter and have a look at that. Uh, He has some real nice pictures of it. But, you know, the scrum did look good, even when we had seven guys for periods against Wales. So they might be the positives. The other stuff, I'm a little bit down in the dumps. I thought maybe a lot of it was down to 14 men against Wales, but I'm not sure I'm right on that one after, after the weekend.
0: Yeah, Neil. I the defense is an interesting point because there is so much focus all the time on how Ireland are attacking and using the ball. That tends to get more of the focus. But as Luke points out, in the last two matches, there's been you know quite an with individual errors by James Lowe, by James Gibson Park, and then even going back to when Andy Farrell was the defense coach. Even though he's a defensive, he's as renowned as a defensive coach, there has been times where the defense hasn't been as strong as you'd want it to be. So you know that's just probably as big as in, an issue at the moment as the attack.
2: Yeah, well, it's always interesting to compare and contrast against what your opponents are doing. So I thought France defensively were very good, really good. Uh, and you got to look at why that is, you know. So I, I, I couldn't believe that Wales uh, let Sean Edwards go. And they made a mistake there. And Fabien was in like Flynn. And as soon as they realised that he was available, they went after him, and they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. So I, I haven't heard Sean's French accent yet, but when, when I do,
0: I look it's forward to it.
1: Good. He's had a good effort at it. He's, I, I overheard Bernard Jackman had something good. He's he's putting the effort in anyway.
0: Well, <laughs> well, they put up a video, and they were he was speaking French, and they had French subtitles underneath it, so the French people could understand <laughs> what he was saying. <laughs> uh,
2: so you can you can just you can just see it there. Like I mean, how focused they are uh, and everything you know their scramble is really good uh, the resets are very good line speed as there has been for 20 or 30 years like they, they suffocate you. the french they are very very good in that regard so whatever ireland threw at them i don't think it extended them that much but they were still very good uh and particularly their uh, their midfield I, I thought I think Fiku is a very important player for them. I, I remember watching that guy when he was, he was capped as a kid, and you know he was in his early twenties, and then he put on a, he put on you know a couple of stone, and it wasn't muscle like he just he lost his way a bit, and they brought him back, and he's their defensive leader, and uh, he really leads he leads that line very good. What do you like he, you know, you would look at, at their back three there, and you just sort of say, okay, they're not taking a chance on Teddy Thomas anymore. Uh, but they're not. They 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 have gone. You know, Dulin's a very small guy. Uh, you know, uh, and he, he was absolutely brilliant uh, on on Sunday uh, in every respect there, and not not only under the high ball, but just his positioning. And his ability, he made a couple of you know, really important tackles. And I just think the French back row as well. They suck up everything there. And I, I think he's going to be, a, I think, a superstar. Aldrich, uh is just fantastic. He really is a super player. And again, I'm not sure what his, what his tackle figures were, but they were just very good. And if you look at it again, compare and contrast what the French were doing four years ago at the World Cup or the previous World Cup, you know, the back rows weren't as active, they weren't as structured, they weren't as they weren't as aware of what their roles needed to be. And that back row, well, certainly Olivon and all three, Oh, it, i wasn't, I don't know what Luke sort of thinks there. I, I thought Jelange was they brought him in and you're just gonna kind of wonder like why didn't they stay with Cretan or, or Gross? Um anyway, it's uh it's you know, I think the 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 other aspect of it is the is their attack, and that's that's where we have to learn and there has to be a sea change in terms of what we do because kicking the ball will only get us, you know, will only get us that far. So I just thought the, the lead up to the uh, to the first try for all first try was just fantastic. And that's not a, that's not French flair. That's not, you know, what they do the whole time. You watch the top 14, they don't do that much there, except if, you know, if you're playing, you're watching Toulouse or if you're watching Clermont play. You see a fair amount of you know of offloading going on, but just the way they offloaded, they went for the outside shoulder, passed inside, went to the outside shoulder, passed inside. And Ireland actually were, were pretty good, uh, but Dupont got got it out to Heno, uh, and all it took was you know sort of quick hands there. But the offloading game, and uh, it's just something. If I was coach, God forbid, if I was coach of, of the Ireland team. Uh, you know, on my areas of, of expert, expertise, we put them in there. But I would instigate an absolute sea change in terms of what you do because I think the days of, you know, sort of 15, 20 rocks, you know, uh, the prescriptive Joe Schmidt style of, of just, you know, rock, 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 rock until you either make a mistake or else they run out of tackers. And you can just save, your, you can save yourself an, all, an awful lot of hassle and an awful lot of fatigue there. Because if you offload twice and get in get in behind a line break there, any decent side will score. And that's what Ireland would be aiming towards. And so far, not an idea. I, I don't know what the, I think the offloads were 12 to 3. But Ireland just, you know, Joe told them, don't offload. And... Um, I think Andy Farrell's still the same as well. Keep the ball, protect the bill, and don't take any chances. Um, we're not, we're not good enough. We don't, we don't think that way. That's, a, that's a major problem for Ireland.
0: Yeah, just as a quick aside, like when you were in camp with Joe, like how much did he stress against offloading? Is that something that he would like really go out of his way to talk about? Like you know, don't throw that risky offload, or or how would he go about kind of that? Because there does seem to be a mentality with the team that they're trying to get away from, but quite ingrained from maybe that time.
1: Yeah, but I don't think. See, I've always been a big believer that you start offloads appear to you when you're dominating the contact. That's where the percentage offloads come from is when you dominate the contact, you can get your hands free for a second and you're kind of half through a gap. That's where, like, there was never a case of him saying, you don't do that. But he certainly was saying, well, if you're not, if you know, if you're not in a dominant position versus the tackler and you haven't got your, you know, your hands free, doesn't have to be two hands, but if you haven't got the hands free, um, don't offload. He still, he was always about dominating the contact first. And then if it's open, of course, the it, it becomes kind of obvious then. And if I looked at the French match of the weekend, like, you know, I think I I thought our tackling was poor against them. Like I thought for the, um, th- there was like Billy Burns missed a terrible tackle in the middle of the pitch, which gave them momentum for for the uh, was it the Dupont kind of half break then? Um, oh, sorry, he got it on the return. But you remember that kind of phase of maybe three or four offloads in a row. And He threw a wild one then, I think, out to Pano, I'm gonna say, um, on the right wing in the first half. That sequence came about off the back of poor tackling, but they also, once they had this, they were once they had the, the momentum, they dominated every single one of the contacts and it allowed them to get the hands free. I I would be a big believer that you have to be putting yourself in positions and stressing the defense to open up opportunities. Like I think. You know, we were probably—if you look at the week before, we were looking at the Gary Ringrose one. Like that wasn't a percentage one. Then I mean, France probably still throw that. Maybe they have better skills than us, and that might come off. But that one cost us badly last week because I feel like we didn't actually have a good strong position in the contact. So, I—I no, I,
2: I, I disagree with you, Luke. Yeah, because they're not—they're not conditioned. Like if you looked, I think Fiku made the first offload. And I think it was Marchand who, who is a serious, serious hooker. He, he, he wasn't looking to go in and, and get into the ruck or clear, clear it out. He was looking for the offload. And that's what they're programmed to do. So outside shoulder, hopping back inside, knowing that there's going to be a runner there. And, that, and that's what does the, that does the damage. So when Gary tried that uh, against Wales, that was probably the right thing to do. Uh, but just nobody read it, and we're 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 more geared toward, you know. So he goes to ground. We're not going to pop this up out of the tackle, and we're just going to stand over the ball and and clear the rock. And that's that's the problem. It's it's all about philosophy, and we're not we're not geared toward it. And the French are getting more and more be interesting to see. Actually, how the French get on against against the English, and see if they can do that offloading there. That's what they're that's what they're programming to do.
1: Yeah, like I think, sorry, I I don't actually, I don't completely disagree with you. I really don't. I just think that if I'm looking at it, I I think, you know, yes, they're programmed to do it and maybe they take more risks there. Maybe they have better skills, but I I feel like it really stems from the attack, from Ireland's attack. I think they're fairly blunt there. I don't think there's much creativity. I don't think there's many people really challenging the defensive line and therefore getting momentum and allowing them opportunities. I think the two are, are linked. I don't think... Um, I think definitely, yes, there, there probably is a philosophy where they probably try a bit more in France. And it's probably in the culture there a bit. And certainly do we have to get better at it? Yes. But I would say I, I kind of link that to the attack, if I'm being honest. I think you have to put, you know, put, you put people in positions to stress the defence. Once you do that, those opportunities should open. Um I didn't see many really great opportunities for Ireland to do that because I didn't really see them. You know, I didn't see great shape in the attack. Um, I didn't see them really stressing the French defence too often.
2: That, <laughs> that's because that they're, they're all about. they're all geared up to chase the ball when it goes. They kick <laughs> it in the air. You know, I mean, shape. They're not. They're 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 set to go and chase. That's all. They're that's all they're doing. And it's a it's a, it's a pretty grim form of the game, and it's a, it's it's a poor reflection on Ireland. But that's what we're reduced to, just kicking the ball.
0: Just to come in for a second, like some kind of statistics from the first two weekends. So (coughs) Ireland are last in terms of tries scored, last in terms of offloads, last in terms of points per opposition, our visit to the opposition 22. They have the lowest gain line success coupled with the highest carry count and the the highest average time of possession. So that's indicating that they're getting a lot of ball they're running into probably brick walls more often than not, and they're not getting a whole lot of change. It kind of speaks to what you're both saying in terms of how they've attacked the first two weeks. It's not; it doesn't make a pretty reading. No, wow. but how,
2: how do you like even if you're kicking? You know, how do you how do you make a sort of problem? Like every time, it, it just seems that you know the your back three, or sometimes because you're four in the backfield, and it just seems that they're all geniuses because they're just waiting for the ball. <laughs> They're waiting for the ball to come down you know they're, they're they're well positioned they know where it's coming and if it's not a box kick you know if it's if it's if it's kicked downtown uh you know there there are there are so many people there waiting for it and it's one of the things the french try to do uh, that they, they ship it wide and make you come up and make your blind side winger come across and that, that kind of puts you under pressure there but i don't think like, even, even our box kicking and our tactical kicking are so predictable. And, uh, you know, e- e- even trying to sort of press you back into the 22, you need to you need actually commit. You need to back three, some of the back three, come forward and put it in behind them. And we just don't seem to have the wit to do that. Um, and it might sort of come back down to, you know, I I've said this before, like uh, sort of Andy Farrell, so brilliant rugby league player, played played for Bath. Oh no, sorry, played for Saracens at uh open side, blind side, and inside centre. Because they, re- <laughs> they don't really know you know where it's been. He was always a very, very talented player. So but I think he misses all the nuances of of playing union. And I, I think you have to learn those from age 10, you know, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to you know young adulthood and, you know, realize what the, the game of union is all about. And I think, I don't think he gets that. I really don't. I think that's a major problem. And even just something as simple, and I, I don't know whether he reads the sort of the papers or not, um, New Zealand played against Australia uh, in the, in the the rugby championship and they did a simple thing against Australia five yard scrum just channel one ball straight into the number right's hands and he did a reverse 8-14 eight, eight, uh, eight and the try was scored before Australia even realised the ball was out and they're the simple nuances of, of, uh, of you know, playing union and I, I, I just think that he's playing a different form of the game but um, you know, disregards a lot of what's required to win, particularly at international level. And uh, you know, it's—I I just think it's been a huge jump to go from. And I think he was a decent, uh, you know, defensive coordinator, but going from defensive coordinator to being a head coach is huge, and it's too much for him.
1: I, I'm, I'm less convinced he's—he was even—he's been a great defensive coach as well. I'm. I'm or maybe it was a personnel thing with Ireland. Maybe they just didn't perform there in Japan, but I I still go back to that point, to be honest with you. Um, look, leaving that aside, I think, um, you know, we probably haven't mentioned it, but it's, it, look, it's, it's a fault with the team too, but taking Johnny Sexton out of that team, James Ryan and Connor Murray, it's going to impact them. Uh, now, whether that's right or wrong at this stage in their careers, that there's no one, you know, behind Johnny or, or Connor really, and um, that is established, you know that that to my mind, and even like Billy Burns, I'm not even sure does, does he kick for like week in week out. I'm not sure he is. Uh, you know, oh, Johnny Dooney
2: and Madigan.
1: Yeah, so to to my mind, I mean, they're all things that they're all flashing red, if you like, to me. They're they're issues that need to be resolved fairly quickly. I mean, if you know that the attack can't be completely blunt once Johnny goes off the pitch, Um and you have. Modern,
2: to... I'll ask you this, Melly what does Johnny bring now in an, in an attacking uh, sphere?
1: Oh, I think his handling ability is still the best of any of them by by quite a long distance, and I still think his decision making on the line um, is is brilliant. Uh, coupled with his handling, uh, the rest of his game, I think. Look, he, I think he struggled to get, and that's probably it's probably an age thing. I think he struggled to get some continuity. I'd say it's definitely an age thing, to my mind. You know, he he doesn't seem to be able to finish you know, 18 minutes of the games, that's a big problem for them because they haven't got someone who can finish the last 30. Like when Raj and Roger's come to the end and uh, Johnny was behind him, uh, you know, there were, you had a great 10 there uh, for, for eighty minutes regardless. Um, and even, you might've even had a change of styles, which is kind of difficult for other teams to deal with. I just don't see that now at the moment. And they just, there's no one that's really standing out. Um, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about it at some stage, but that to my mind is still a really key issue for, for this team is, you know, what happens when he goes off the pitch? Um, You know, the, the 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 drop in quality around there is still too big and it really impacts the rest of the team. Like, I, I still feel like there's one part of the attack that I, that I think has been a, a quite a bit better, actually, which is in the tight exchanges. doesn't look great um, and we can't really see... I, I, the backs is still an issue to me, but I think they've, they've had a little bit of growth in the tight exchanges with the forwards. They've got a little bit more momentum there than they have been getting. That's a positive thing. Um, but in the wide channels there's still a huge amount of growth but that's I think without Johnny they're really screwed there I don't think people can see things on the line there like he can yet um, and look they haven't really been given a proper opportunity either like that's a really that's a really important thing um, we're hoping Joey Carby comes back um, but I mean that's that, that he's that's a long road back for him and you wouldn't want to heap the pressure on him or be relying on him at this point until he's at least had 10 games under his belt and um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That that's a worrying part as well. And th- those having such a reliance on a few key guys, that's still a big risk factor to me in this team.
0: Yeah, Neil. In terms of out half, you, you know, what way would you like to see it uh, kind of unfold over the next couple of weeks? Obviously, Italy's next up. You know, who he might, Andy Farrell might pick there could be very instructive going forward. Like, will he go back to Johnny Sexton? His comments in the media this week suggested he might go back to Johnny and Conor Murray at halfback. There's been calls for maybe Harry Byrne to be elevated in ahead of Ross Byrne and Billy Burns, or or would you go one of those two who've been uh, in situ in uh, in the last week or two?
2: Well, I I have a piece in the end of tomorrow, and um, I think the lawyers are looking
1: at it (laughs) at (laughs) the moment. Uh, is that not just a week, uh, a week, week shadow for you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I and I talked about uh, succession planning and it's uh, it is key. And one of the things that I used was you know sort of the abdication of, of Edward the Eighth, you know, for, for Mrs. Simpson and how that affected, you know, the, the the lineage and all that sort of stuff. And you know, you look at Somebody like, um, Daniel Carter, who is just a sensational player. And the, the Kiwis picked him pretty young. He was, he was 21 when he got capped and he was just phenomenal. And they managed to get for such a long time. He was 12 years, uh, in, on the job, you know, and they managed, it just seemed to work right for them where Bowden Barrett just comes in and then they rich and it seems to have worked well. So over the last 20 years, we've had some very, very good halves, and Johnny has been brilliant and the only thing now that he hasn't done for his country is kind of provide an air and they were there all along and we were, we were very, very unfortunate and I don't I won't get into it now, but I think if Patty Jackson, you know, that was a sliding doors moment and Patty Jackson hadn't got into that sort of situation now. He would, I, I'm certain, have gone to Japan and he would be now our, st- our starting out half. Uh, so that's a sliding door situation. And that's just unfortunate. You can never foresee something like that happening. And then you have Joey. And Joey shouldn't have been brought to Japan. He wasn't right and his ankle wasn't right. And as a result, you know the way when you get injured and then you get injured again and then you get another injury and you keep on getting injured. You just can't break the cycle. And... Uh, so Joey, Joey's out and we're left, you know, with, you know, an aging out half who can't finish his games and still mentally good enough and still has great, uh, competitive zeal and, and is, you know, he has all the great, the right qualities, but at 35, it's beginning to fall apart. And every time he extends himself, you know, I say those tradition, you don't see it even anymore. And any of those traditional, uh. You know the what he used to do, and he'd, he'd come back out uh, and he'd loop around, and he just can't do that anymore because every time he's running a full pace, he's just pull something. So you have you know, Joey; he should be there now as well. And so we don't have them. It's just a you know Joey's coming back the nice next couple of weeks. Apparently, uh, Jackson's not available. He'll never play for Ireland again. I don't think. And then you have a you have a succession of imposters or immatures, and what you're saying, Will, is you know who would I who would I pick now? If I'd, I'd pick Joey Carberry, but you know we've a long way to go before you know he has to go injury free uh, for a long time before they bring him back into the squad. Uh, you need a, you need a big, powerful number ten. You need a guy with pace. Uh, so Harry Byrne fits that. Frawley fits that and I've I watched Crowley play I think he's I think he's really good and he's a big guy and they have pace and it's one of the things that you uh, you had to look at I, I I, the guy I watched you know I, I I, I thought it was a Doyle game and when I get bored watching games I just focus in on one or two guys I thought Jalbert was just sensational he didn't do much but what he did his passing was just sensational and his pace—he is electric. He's faster than Bowden Barrett. That guy—he is fantastic. So we need a you need a guy uh, who can do that. Now, what do you do? Do you do you? You know, I've always said this: that if you if you're not good enough now, and you know that you're not going to be test standard even in two or three years' time, what's the point in picking them? I don't think Billy Burns is, is, is in that. He's just not good enough now. And in three years' time, he won't be good enough. Uh, Ross Byrne is is a decent player. His kicking skills are, are international standard, but the rest of it, no, I don't think he does have the thing there. So but as a as a modern coach, would you put in a you know a 21-year-old? I think I think that if you put in Frawley against Italy would perform better than either out half played last Sunday or the previous
1: Sunday. I just think Frawley. I, I don't get how no one else is talking about him. I actually sent of all I haven't spoken like this about anyone else in a very long time. I actually sent Raj a text on it um last week. And I never I'm not watching enough rugby really to be you know in the coaching sphere but I said how I saw you didn't get Crowley. So like how are you not looking at Frawley? What is going on there? I, I'm I'm on the I'm on the verge of actually sending him a text myself and saying, "What are you doing in Leinster?" Like, no, seriously, because it suits them to have Ross Burn and uh, and Harry Byrne sitting there behind Johnny Sexton. That's their their succession plan is clear there. But for his career, I still think he might be the best of all three. There, I really believe that. I don't. Uh, I, it is baffling to me. And they're playing him twelve when everyone's back fit. He, he's not going to play. He's not going to play ahead of Henshaw. He's not going to play ahead of Gary Ringrose. People have to get injured for him to play. I, I am I'm so glad you, you brought it up, Rano. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut across you. What did
0: Rod say? What was Rod? What did Rod- I know, he
1: said he called me back. He never did. <laughs> 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 so he brushed me. But I, I just, I was like, have you had a look at this guy? I, I mean, I just think every time I've seen him at 10, he's a big guy he can play 12 he can, so that means he can tackle he can live up to you know if he has to make you know 10 tackles against a number 8 look you know it's an international number 8 you're going to be hurting after but he can make them or against a big 12 coming in your town he can make them he's got a running game he looks like a really good passer on the line good decision maker and if he gives if he's given time to work on his kicking like someone like raj could give him I, he, I think he's the complete player. I don't get he look, and he looks like a guy who's unflustered when he goes up or changes position or just plays. I, uh, I think he's class.
2: Are you, are you saying send him over to La Rochelle?
1: I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying someone needs to play him. Someone, yeah. That guy needs to play ten somewhere regularly. Obviously, I, think, I don't think they're going to pick him for the next year or two for Ireland. I don't think he's going to be available. Hence why I said, if you're looking for someone, you should be looking at him. I think he's brilliant and like that could be a play, a great place for someone like him to cut his teeth and then come back when there's an opportunity in one of the provinces. Um I, it's it's driving me mental watching it because I feel like he's going to blow his career because um, he's not a, an international standard 12 but he absolutely in my mind could be an international quality 10. Uh,
2: I um I sent Roger text over the over the weekend and I was going to ring him and I decided not to because it's a dangerous uh, it'll be a dangerous phone call. Uh, and if he if he took the call, he realised he'd be in trouble. So, when are you coming? You know, like it's it's kind of tricky. I think he's, he's another two years with La Rochelle. You know, and you start you start a conversation about sort of saying, "Look, your buddy your buddy's in. Time for you to come in." And uh, you know, he he's he's international. He's an international coach. He's smart enough to be an international coach now. And you know, I I think another year or two or even or even right now. Or, you know, get him to make a phone call to Scott Robertson and just sort of say, stop messing around with the Crusaders and come on over and coach Ireland. Mm. Um,
0: Rogers is an interesting one because, like, he has as much experience now in many ways than Andy Farrell would have. You know, like he's, he's Rogers. got is a head coach now. He's been an assistant for four seasons of Racing, two seasons with the Crusaders. Like, that's a very good bank of experience to compare with even Andy Farrell, who's a head coach now.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, like, but his all his all round game, like, could be. And it was very interesting. He got slide. Like, I, I don't know who it was. Um, I think Racing were playing. Do you remember they played in? Nottingham or somewhere like that, there was a semi-final in Nottingham and they all had a, they all had a good laugh about, uh, you know, Raj was, was with Rassing at that stage and he was the defense coach. And you know, all the, I think they're all English, you know, former internationals were laughing and sort of saying, well, Raj, you know, couldn't tackle a fish supper, but that's not the point. The point is that he knows how to defend and that's one area like, so he's, he's defense He's head coach now. And I, I was talking to a few people there, and, you know, in, in relation to a stay in the Crusaders, they really rated him. You know, it wasn't just a, a monster thing, you know, our fellow's doing well in uh, Christchurch. They rated him down there. So, timing is everything. Timing for him is absolutely everything. So, uh, you know, it's coming, coming at the right thing there. So, if we have another. You know, so I, I don't think it's going to be all plain sailing against Italy. I think Franco Smith is a really smart coach and he dropped all his, you know, a lot of his senior internationals there, and he brought kids in. And I think Ireland will be made to work really hard to beat Italy. I don't think it'll be, you know, what France and, and England did. I think Ireland might struggle to put a big number on them. And you could see Italy scoring again 15-20 Points against, so that might be an unimpressive performance. And then I felt really sorry for Gregor, like I, I know him pretty well, and I just I couldn't, you couldn't. I just felt so sorry for him when they lost the Welsh, you know, because I think this was their year, and it comes around once a decade, you know, that you get a chance to win something big, and they they fluff the lines there. So Ireland could lose that, and they could certainly lose against England. So you know the last three games there mightn't be any there mightn't be any joy like Ireland could see will be beat beat all three of them but the likelihood just the graph is going the other way and then you're sort of thinking okay so if you have a really bad season you know how does the end of year report go you know sort of oh we'll correct those things and we'll, we'll be better next year I don't think so so I think you know La Rochelle at the end of the
0: year Somebody make a phone call, bring him in. It'll be interesting to see how that maybe develops over the next few weeks. Luke, just before we 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 wrap up, and maybe have a quick look at you know Neil mentioned there Scotland and, and that Welsh game. I I was vindicated one week later uh, for my Scotland prediction that they would eventually uh, collapse. Which, well,
1: they don't completely shaft. I thought the Fagerson thing was look, it's but the, to get a four week ban afterwards was 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 shocking. That was terrible. Uh, I thought uh particularly when peter got uh only three match was it a three match or three week ban i'm not sure so he didn't get as much of a ban i thought that was a bit bit harsh when you compared the two um you're right they let us down eventually (laughs) (laughs) if you keep saying it enough times you'll be right i suppose um but look generally that has been kind of the the that's been what's happened with scotland the last couple of years show some promise but you know inevitably you know they kind of let you down when you really need to rely on them last week was the was the anomaly there um yeah, look, disappointing for them. Uh, they should have put them away, Wales. I don't know how they hang in sometimes in these games, but they they've done it. They do it quite regularly. You have to really put them to the sword if you give them any kind of sniff of an opportunity. I think they still have some great finishers there. So, um, yeah, that was yeah. Look, there's not much else to say on that one except like they kind of blew that one. That was a big opportunity to to uh, to beat Wales and to put themselves in a very good position for the rest of the championship. Really. Um, so yeah, disappointing for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, Neil. What did you make of the game? Obviously, the Ferguson or Ferguson uh, red card was was, was crucial. Scotland were, were leading at the time. You know, Wales blessed to play two matches where the opposition has gotten someone sent off. To be fair, they took advantage of it, but but a fairly fortunate turn of events for them.
2: Yeah, I like it's it, it's it's hard. You know, the lawmakers, you know, are obviously a lot of them are former referees, and it's extremely difficult uh, at test standards. To you know, pick and choose which which way you enter into a rock. Now, I thought I thought O'Mahannies, uh was you know I think that was a deliberate act, unfortunately. Uh, but Fagerson, yeah, that was that was that was tough. But it's one of those sort of things there. So you're going to have to get in. Like he 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 took a he, he, I don't know he was six seven meters before you know a run in. And what, what they're saying now is that, you know, you're going to give any head to head, any shoulder to head contact, you're going to walk and you're going to get a ban and it's going to be you know, financially, it's going to be tough for you and you're not going to, you're, not, you're going to lose your place and you mightn't get back in. So the, the back end of that is that you have to be a little bit more careful and you can't, it rocks, you know, as hard as you can be, and you just don't, like, I mean, you're go- if you're going into, if you're a tight forward or a back row or whatever else, and you're going into a Rook, it is extremely difficult because it's a contact game, you know, that you can be as precise uh, as people want you to be. And, um, you know, you'll see, and, and the referees have picked it up, you'll see another another red card or two before the championship is over. Any any head high, you're to pull out immediately and They're going to say, "I'm sorry. This is the rule book. Uh, enjoy the shower book." Um, so it's difficult, but they have to they have to learn. And I mean, you know, you're. you're we, we, I think we talked a couple of a couple of seasons ago about the you know any kind of clothesline, you know, all the tackles around the neck. They're still going on. You know, they haven't been able to eradicate that. And you can say educate the players, but you know it's. You're in a test match and things happen at a at hundred miles an hour. And a lot of the time you don't have the control that people think you have. Uh, so I didn't feel too sorry for O'Mahony because he had another one of those back in November for Munster and he walked as well. He got two yellow cards and he was taken out and he does it again four months later. And that's unforgivable, particularly for a player as respected and as experienced as him. Um, so, you got to learn, lads. And uh, I mean, that costs that figures them, that costs them
0: the game and possibly a, a championship.
2: And that's a huge price to pay.
0: Yeah, they would have been going for their first Triple Crown, I think, since 1990 against Ireland had they held on against Wales. And just to finish up, Luke, England uh, beat Italy. Obviously, a lot has been said about the officials and, and some of the tries that England. It's terrible. Yeah. Not a great day for the officials, but yeah. in, in terms of that, and also, what have you made of England? You know, across the first two weekends now. You mentioned, to be fair, before the first game, how you thought they were winning ugly, not playing great, and that's definitely carried over so far. Obviously, losing to Scotland, but then even at the weekend, with the help of the officials, they still they still didn't look great.
1: No, and I don't know what it's down to really. I don't know if they're missing, you know, just a few bodies, and um, you know that that never helps really. Uh, two is always nice to have in your team. <laughs> it's easy to get go forward and everything looks different. Um, I think they miss Mako as well in the first week. Uh, you know, and they, they miss him just generally, I think, anyway. Um, I think he's kind of one of those guys for Saracens as well. He gets through a mountain of work, but very good quality work, good carrier as well, he gets you a few meters in the tight, just changes the complexion for you in attack. And I think they look like they've struggled um without a few of those bodies. Um, and that's probably what I've really noticed with them. They just looked a bit patchy. They're not really dominating teams on every, in every facet. Now I would say that they're probably missing out as well on. And you mentioned this will a couple of weeks ago. It's been so kind of. Um, I suppose they've had a real stop-start season a lot of their guys because obviously Saracens have been a key. Have made up you know a lot of the key positions for the English team they're obviously relegated and playing very sporadically, Like that has a massive impact on them. Um, So you could see them being a little bit sluggish there as well. That probably hasn't helped, but look, they need to turn it around quickly. Like at some point, you know, yes, you can win ugly, but at some point you have to be, you have to look like you're really dominating teams and performing well, Uh, which I think they're capable of. Like they have massive resources there and loads of quality. I think the coach is very good. But they need to start showing it. You need to perform well. Performance, to my mind, really indicates that you're going to be consistent and get consistent results. I think that's a better indicator longer term if you're doing the right things. It's what concerns me with Ireland is I don't see kind of th- some things in the performance that leads me to, 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 to a confident place about where they're going in terms of their trajectory. I feel the same way about England. I think they have the potential to turn around pretty quickly, but um that's the read on them so far a few things impacting in terms of bodies and that but you know you'd like to see them performing a little bit better and have more control of games like when they were in their pump they did have
0: yeah Neil I might give you the last word then on England before you finish up it's funny like even though they've been a lot more successful than Ireland over the last year or two you know you do see similar complaints about their style of play like they you know th- their kicking game has obviously brought them a lot of success but then over the last couple of weeks when they haven't been playing well, there's, there's definitely been gripes, even though they're at a pretty lofty standard in, or, you know, facing the game at the moment.
2: Yeah, nobody complains when you're winning. Um, but, you know, so they, um, I, I think Wales would be, you know, uh, a handful for them. They should win it, but, uh, like, it's in Cardiff, it is in Cardiff, Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, 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 um, just, you know, Wales have, have I wouldn't call it powder puff, but their their front five, you know, particularly last season was not what it should have been. But their their back row is just so good, like Tipperidge and Fallotau. Fallataw looks like he's seventy years of age. He's been, he's been around for so long. Um, but he's still playing well. And I think Navidi is a very important player for them as well. Shingler's good. So the back row is is uh, back row is very good and their, and their halves too, um, you know, I, I think you could see England just sort of grind them out but not, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wales won it, you know, and, and uh, you know, then where, where are we there? Like, I mean, I, I didn't rate them at all in the championship and, uh, you know, like I said earlier on, they have, uh, they have a little bit of momentum so, uh, you know, it's only Scotland and Ireland uh beaten but if they if they run if, if they're if they're close um if they're close with fifteen minutes to go you know they can jam another one <laughs> and then Eddie's Eddie's in trouble. Uh, I, I you know England seem now to be just slow starters. Uh, and you know the, unfortunately I think they'll have their they one or two selections to get right as well and they have they have injuries sort of coming back in there. But I think they'll they'll be good. Uh, they might be even too good for France uh, on the fourth week so we'd see but they, he gets them right in the end he's a, he's a quality coach It's
0: been an exciting first couple of weeks and some really really good matches to come still in the meantime Luke, Neil thanks so much for joining me thanks Will. thanks Will That's all we have time for this week on the left wing thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another podcast in the meantime you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.